0: Welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. I might sound a little bit different at the moment because I am currently in the midst of a move. I have to my right a large pile of boxes. I have to my left another large pile of boxes. Yes, that's right, after 17 years in the inner west of Sydney, I am moving to the suburbs. pox on landlords who say they're going to keep you on and then sell out from under you. In any case, this is going to mean that our internet connection and therefore my podcast uploading ability is going to be a bit interrupted, at least for a little while. In the meantime, though, I have this bonus episode for you. It was recorded back in August 2019, when my good friend Margaret Willison came back onto the show for our 100th episode. We join this conversation already in progress. Charles.
1: He talk about He just go on and on. He always said Louisiana was where he felt at home.
0: I just he finished watching home. A Simple Favor. Oh, my God, isn't uh-
1: that movie incredible?
0: <laughs> It's so good. I was, I was like,
1: random. At the fourth twist, I was like, okay, well, this is one too many twists than it needed. But then, at like the seventh twist, I was like, accept that it's perfect.
0: It's great. It's very good. It was one of those things where I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll give that a shot. I mean, it's meant to be creepy and stuff, and it's like, it's yeah, it's amazing. Also, I said it on Twitter about twenty minutes ago, but it's the truth. Linda Cardellini as like a queer New York artist with an undercut and knives. (laughs) Like, yes, it's a very good look.
1: It's a very good look.
0: <laughs> it's important. <laughs> I felt
1: really personally attacked by how much of Anna Kendrick's wardrobe I obviously wanted in that movie because mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: it's supposed to be square and I was like, Except there's the sweater with the little pom poms on it. And I was like <laughs>
0: Yep, I saw that. And the yellow Uniqlo raincoat I thought was a particularly like perfect <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Just, and I mean, obviously, I also want to Blake Lively's clothes. But, like, look, I understand who I am as a person. <laughs> and I am not somebody who can wear a men's tuxedo jacket with no shirt underneath it.
0: And a bow tie, not just not tied, but clipped together with what looked to be one of those necklaces that, like, metalheads give their girlfriends to show they mean something. Yeah. But what I wanted to specifically point out is that there was an outfit. It's like when she first gets out of the car... And she's wearing, like, these, like, magenta to red kind of gloves with a suit. Yeah, yeah. And I looked, and in the same moment where I went, those gloves are ridiculous, Kimiko went, that entire outfit is incredible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And the gloves are supposed to be ridiculous, because you're supposed to be, like, why is she wearing gloves? Because, it's because she's suspicious, Lucas. It's because she's faking her identity. I love that movie.
0: It's also, like, she's wearing sneakers for sneaking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I saw it once in theaters with Christina and, and we talked about creating a Simple Favor podcast and we just watched a Simple Favor and discussed it every single week with a different guest. Honestly, I still think we should do it. A Simple Podcast.
0: I mean, you've had a lot of pitches for podcasts lately.
1: <laughs> People
0: <laughs> suggesting you do things that aren't the bone zone.
1: Well, you're right. Maybe a simple a Simple Podcast maybe is the thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Perhaps is the look. I can go on and talk about Blake Lively's cuffs with no sleeves. I loved it. (laughs) Point of order. In the absence of sleeves, your cuffs serve no purpose, (laughs) ma'am.
1: Everything about Blake Lively's outfits serves a purpose, and the purpose is to create thirst. Honestly, it's the best Blake Lively, best movie Blake Lively has done in years. Just, man, I just want to watch Simple Favor.
0: Yeah, it's very good. No, I, I enjoyed it very, like, very a lot. Uh, but thing is, you know how normally I nitpick, like, cameras and stuff? Sure. In movies and be like, oh, that, that shouldn't look like that. That shouldn't sound like that. That's the wrong camera sure. for the time. Sure, sure. I found myself nitpicking booze a lot in this movie. Uh-huh. When um guy from Crazy Rich Asians... Sure. ...turns up... ...at Anna Kendrick's house. Yeah, him. Yeah. Him with the face. And... They, like, share a drink together in her kitchen. They are cracking a 15-year-old Laphroaig scotch, mm-hmm. okay? That is $180 worth of scotch sitting on her counter. Sure. So my thought is, she said she's a single mom making ends meet. She's, she can survive cutting budgets until, like, maybe three years from now. I don't see her splashing out on a nearly $200 bottle of scotch or having it to get to offer to guests.
1: Counterpoint. Oh, yes. this is Anna Kendrick. Yeah, no, there's no good counterpoint yes. here. What uh, I was going to say is the counterpoint is like, well, maybe Blake Lively's trying to cut budgets, but Henry Golding isn't. And he's the one who has the alcohol. But no, she would not have... You're right. There's, I can't argue with you. I know how much the fur costs because it's my brother's preferred scotch brand.
0: There you go. And it's the 15, especially, which is even less... Uh, it's like you can see you'll find the 18, you'll find the 10, you'll find the 5. But, but 15 the is 15 very is found. a weird one. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a the whole thing about well, one that Blake Lively prefers her martinis the correct way, mm. in that she does them with a twist, not with an olive, because people are wrong. And and then, like, I would argue about the whole frozen gin thing, but we'd be here all day, and I would just kind of fucking <laughs> like asshole. But then, at the end, like, mm. where they're at the gravestone, and she like pours her. Oh, spoilers for anyone listening who has not <laughs> seen *The Simple Favor*. They're at a gravestone, and she like pours a second one, and you hear the ice slosh around in the shaker, and I went. Like, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said no ice. You said ice screws everything up. (gasps) Plot point.
1: Maybe it was secretly poisoned ice or something. And you just didn't get Mm. to that twist. You just. That's true. Didn't stay until the credits or something.
0: (laughs) The post credits scene where everyone just dropped over dead from strychnine poisoning. And I gotta say, like, bringing back (laughs) the guy with the hybrid, running her over. Uh, I should probably cut that. put that part out just in case this goes in after credits. And we actually spoiled this good movie for people. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> but, like, when that happened, I actually, like, stopped and I went, what the hell? It's just like, that's where the movie turns straight into Goofy.
1: Well, that's just it. It's like, this movie is as much about its plot as the movie Spy is about its mystery mm. plot. Which means, like, it's honestly more effective than most thrillers that set out on mm-hmm. purpose to be thrillers and not to be, like, comedy satire thrillers. Yeah, well, like, yeah. also, you're mostly there for the comedy satire.
0: With Jason Statham talking about how he died once, and he got over it, and he got a face. He got his face switched to a new face. <laughs>
1: exactly. Like face exactly. off. Exactly. See? You get it. <laughs> Paul Feek is yeah. the greatest director of actresses <laughs> since George Cukor. Don't at me unless it's to agree.
0: I don't know who George Cukor is.
1: He was a big, big ups in classic Hollywood. He did, um, bringing a baby and there you
0: go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And a lot of other things.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm saying that and I don't think it was bringing a baby. I think it might've been, wow, I'm crushing it here. The Philadelphia story, (laughs) but he was famed to be one. He was gay and like more out Mm -hmm. about it than most people would have been in the 1930s and forties. But two, he was also just, like, famed to be, like, a really great director for actresses and was pals with all of these glamorous women of the time. When you watch his movies, you're like, yeah, I see it. Just sets him off well. Mm -hmm. I think he maybe directed The Women, fittingly enough. The Women, which is all about men. I was going to (laughs)
0: say. Very weird movie. Hey, I'm with you. This is all going to be good content, considering that I've told no one, but I will be releasing uh, a nearly two-hour episode about 1948's The Red Shoes, where I did a crossover that I made happen with some friends who have another movie podcast, where I'm like, hey, we're getting together, and we're talking about this thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is the premise of their movie podcast, and how did it take two hours?
0: Oh, well, it's it's called The Invisible Ray, and it's really just a bunch of friends get get around a table and talk about... You know, things like *Knight of the Hunter sure. or David Lynch's Dune or, you know, just things that are capital-I interesting, if not great. Okay. You know? Got it. Yeah. They had a very good episode on Wings of Desire. Lots of Peter Falk talk. Cool. Yeah, so it was like I went to see a 1948 movie about ballet dancers, and it was great. And I'm like, who do I know who could talk about this coherently with me? <laughs> and I, I, like, messaged them and two of them already had it on their shelves (laughs) one had seen it one had taught it in a class and the other was like i was looking for an excuse to finally watch this
1: (laughs) there is a wild powell and pressburger movie that i saw in theaters called a matter of life and death where it's set during world war ii and it was Mm -hmm. made at least in part to help american british relations during World War II early part, this radio, this female radio operator manages to like guide a pilot down from a crash.
0: There's a lot of gesturing happening. And they <laughs> fall
1: in love, but he was like supposed to die. Of course. So they have to go into heaven and like argue with heaven bureaucrats that he should be able to stay mm-hmm. and live instead of dying the way he was supposed to. And it's truly wild. Okay. But it also... In-
0: inspiring both the English patient and defending your life.
1: Could be. (laughs) Who's to say? And I got to see a production of that. And that means that I got to hear about Scorsese's cinematographer is Thelma something. And she... Yes,
0: the widow. Yes, Yes.
1: exactly. And she's basically Mm. been... She got together with Michael Powell when she was like 40-something and he was like 70. And they had like a beautiful love story. And now she's working to sort of preserve all of those films. Mm. A wonderful cinema-going experience. I would recommend it to anyone.
0: Yeah, totally. Although I also found out he did They're a Weird Mob, which is a very strange film, and I only know by title as being about Australia, and it was used as a lot of kind of like any kind of odd story from Australia is always titled with that in a satirical way by newspapers. <laughs> so I'll have to probably go dig that up now you and watch certainly it.
1: Certainly well. Well here, should we should we transition out of video into just voice?
0: Yeah. Okay. I've gotten a few poor connection warnings, so yeah, probably uh, removing video is a good thing. So instead, you get to see my LinkedIn picture.
1: Phenomenal. And you get to uh,
0: see keep the conversation.
1: my initials. All right. Turn the video <laughs>
0: there off. There There you go. All right. There's my LinkedIn photo. It's a photo. very
1: good LinkedIn photo. Very professional.
0: <laughs> it was one of those things where I had to do a Skype interview for a job, which I did not get. And uh so I'm like, crap. I think my other Skype photo is like just like the t- – no, actually, let me think. No, I think my Goodreads one is me holding a burrito.
1: But. <laughs> I was going to say that if they didn't hire you based on this, it's like, what, did they discriminate against handsome people? <laughs> did they discriminate against great beards? <laughs> Piercing blue eyes, my God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, the worst one was that it wasn't even a Skype interview. There was a, a pre- another job, I did, oh, another one I did not get, where rather than a Skype interview, it was a video interview But it was a timed video response interview. So you would be given a question you did not know. You'd be given a minute to read the question. And then the camera would turn on. You would have two minutes to answer that question. On video. One take.
1: That is so... That should be completely illegal.
0: You'd think, right? Nothing
1: about that sounds right.
0: And it's like, yeah... I did not get a call back from that interview because it was just this incredibly unnerving experience. That is horrible. One person who I know actually works at that company now and they're like, oh, you know, do you ever want to come back and interview? And I go, no, I don't want to do that again.
1: <laughs> very reasonable position on your part. Ooh, just kicked my desk like a dope. <laughs>
0: That's okay. I was talking to uh, to Kate Reculia like a week and a half ago, and I don't know what it was, but maybe she had like a headset mic or something, but it just, she just kept bouncing it, and so every once in a while I would just be like, just thump, 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 <laughs> thump, and I was like, this is going great, and I, there's no way I can cut around this, so everyone just has to deal with it, and hopefully this will sound as charming as, as it I think it's sounding, and no one will care, and of course it was, and no one cared.
1: It is a great tragedy. I can sometimes edit the clicks out. On ATV, but sometimes the person who's talking is also the person who's typing. And then it's like, well, okay, they are just going to be clicks in here. I don't know what to do about this.
0: At work, I actually went and bought what was mentioned in a Gizmodo article as being the clickiest keyboard on the planet. (laughs) It clicks on both the downstroke and the upstroke. And I type really quickly. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like a typewriter is being murdered by being kicked down the stairs every time I'm writing up a report. And uh, when I first started working there, I was in a, an office that had a window behind me and sort of glass partitions on either side. And so I imagine it was just going out like a sonic buzzsaw into the office. <laughs> and it made me very happy.
1: I love it.
0: Just. <laughs> All you need is a little Jerry Lewis, like typewriter dings at the end of it.
1: Very classic energy.
0: I, mean, I have a few kind of intro questions to start, no, but no. Uh, somehow, somehow, I think Margaret H. Wilson, that you're not going to have difficulty talking about just about anything.
1: What? That's wild. I'm so shy. <laughs> I was
0: shy. Retiring.
1: Extremely. Both those things. Astoundingly, to an astounding <laughs> degree. There was a point in time where I was giving. I agreed to do a keynote address, and I agreed on the mm-hmm. premise where it's like if someone asks you to do something, like you're like, "Yep." I'll do it, despite the fact that I was terrified, and it was going to be up in front of a bunch of people at a library conference, and Mm. I was just going to be talking for an hour, and I was like, well, there's no possible way I can talk for an hour without, (laughs)
0: like,
1: questions or something, and Lucas, I can. Smash cut. I can do that. (laughs) I can do that without even preparing. I prepared, and it's a very good Mm. keynote address, and so if you're listening, and you're like, I'm part of a library conference, and I'd like to book that. You should. But yeah, it was, I got up there and I was like, oh, this is what time feels like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm perfectly capable of filling it. Yeah.
0: And now you know. And
1: now I know.
0: And knowing is half the battle.